Okay, good. Thank God I remembered. All right. Guys, it's time to get kind of locked in on our big book study this morning. It's May 30th, 2020. And we have been talking about Bill's story. And just to kind of review, we have been talking about particularly the second half of Bill's story. And in the first half of Bill's story, the first eight pages, we see very graphically the progression of Bill's alcoholism. We see how in each paragraph, in each page, the progression of Bill's alcoholism shows itself. And then at the bottom of page eight, Bill is going to get a visit from Ebby Thatcher. And Ebby is going to present Bill with some information that he has never had before in his life. Bill knew about the disease from Dr. Silkworth. Dr. Silkworth, William Duncan Silkworth, was the medical director of the town's hospital in New York City where Bill had been a patient twice. And Bill is going to learn the nature of the illness. And what is the nature of the illness? The nature of the illness is that it is a physical allergy which makes it impossible for the sufferer to control the amount they drink once there's liquor inside their system. And also there is a mental component of it, the mental twist. And the mental twist is activated by the buildup of human emotion when we're scared, when we have feelings of being different from those around us, when we have feelings of happiness or we have feelings of loneliness or we have feelings of anger or fear or unrequited love or selfishness or whatever it is, guilt, shame, remorse, whatever it is that we're feeling, the brain will know what it can do to make us feel better. And what can the brain do to make me feel better? What the brain can do to make me feel better is to convince me that I need to eat cookies or I need to eat uh, candy or whatever it is. Notice how my brain never says to me, hey, eat some steamed cauliflower, eat some steamed Brussels sprouts, and sprinkle in maybe a little chicken breast in there. No, my brain doesn't operate that way. Why not? Well, my brain doesn't operate that way because fried foods, cheesy foods, sugary foods, uh, all kinds of foods that I like to binge on, pizza and Oreo cookies, they give me an effect. What is the effect? The effect is the sense of ease and comfort that comes instantly by eating those foods. It changes my perception of reality. Do you remember on page one of Bill's story, Bill says, I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. Now, Bill is going to see Ebby Thatcher, and Ebby is going to have information on a remedy for this solution. Notice I didn't say a cure. I deliberately said a remedy. And a remedy is temporary. It has to continually be applied. See, I didn't say a cure. And Bill has never seen anybody 
that has been relieved of their desire to drink alcohol. He has never met with anybody that he knew to be an alcoholic. Remember that Dr. Silkworth tells us in the doctor's opinion, and we know from our life experience, don't we, that in order for the message to be carried, it must have depth and weight. And that's very, very important. And who did God send to Bill Wilson? He sent him a man, Ebby Thatcher, who Bill knew very well and knew that Ebby was an alcoholic. He knew how Ebby drank. As a matter of fact, Ebby used to say, if I ever get to be as bad a drunk as Bill Wilson, I'm going to quit drinking. And Bill used to say, if I ever get to be as bad a drunk as Ebby Thatcher, I'm going to quit drinking. And here was Ebby Thatcher, and he was fresh-skinned and glowing. His roots grasped a new soil. And Ebby is going to present Bill with a spiritual solution to his problem of alcoholism. So we have the confluence. Right before we started, we talked about someone being in here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is a great example. You have the confluence of the Monongahela, the Allegheny, and the Ohio River, and they come together in a confluence. And what happens when these three rivers come together? They form the Ohio which is more of a river, it, it, it makes it stronger so that the Ohio is a much stronger river, bigger river, faster river than either the Monongahela or the Allegheny, see? So here we have the confluence of the information. Now, is Bill Wilson going to be the first person in the world that knows what the problem of alcoholism is and now knows what a solution to it is? We don't know that. We don't know. We have no idea, and there's no way to verify it. But here's what we do know, because we have a book in our hands, or if you're doing something else and you don't have the book in your hands, you have it in your heart and in your mind. The book that we have and the fellowship that we have is proof enough that Bill Wilson will be the very first person on planet Earth to get this information and move it forward. He will take the information and he will move it forward. But before Bill Wilson will accept this, he is going to struggle in identically the same way as many of us struggle with this idea of a power greater than ourselves. Because you see, many of us, and I'm one of those people, many of us come in here after a lifetime of praying to God that he made us thin, or praying to God. See, not all of us compulsively overeat like me. There are people who are anorexic. They get a high from restricting the amount of food that they eat. So they're anorexic. And there are people who eat massive quantities of food, and then they purge it out through the use of laxatives, or they purge it from them excuse me, by over-exercising. Let me just take a sip of water here. It's 100 million degrees. Okay, sorry, I was just thirsty. Okay. Or they'll purge it from their system by doing a massive amount of exercise. So these are compulsive overeating behaviors. So not all of us overeat. 
Some of us undereat, and some of us engage in other behaviors. It's all manifestations of the identical disease, and it's all different sides of the same coin. So when we talk in our definition of abstinence in OA, that we abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, this is exactly what we're talking about. So for me, it's eating massive quantities of food. For other people, it's not eating food. They get a high from restricting, which I don't understand, or some people, they are anorexics, and we've talked about that. Okay, so Bill is struggling because we've prayed. See, the point is step two. We've prayed to God to please let us not engage in these behaviors, and nothing happened. Nothing changed. Nothing changed. And so we pray to God, don't let our parent die, don't let our child die, don't let our relative die, don't let our friend, don't let our wife break up with us or our husband break up with us or whatever it is we prayed for and it didn't seem to happen. So who did we blame in most cases? We blamed God. And so we have this idea of a God that we cannot rely on because we've already prayed to God and he didn't seem to care enough to help us. I could sit in the synagogue today and pray until the walls caved in. It's not going to help me with this. I'm not knocking prayer and I'm not knocking going to synagogue. I think they're wonderful things, or church. I think they're wonderful things and I'm not knocking them in the least. But until I take action, which is what Ebby was doing, nothing is going to happen. So for me, the difference between religion and the difference between that and spirituality is in religion, I don't really have to think about anyone else. I go in there, I'm obedient to the, to the laws, I'm obedient to the, the uh, principles of my religion, and I'm fine. Okay? In spirituality, I not only have to take action, but that action has to be directed at helping someone else with the same malady. And until that happens, I'm not going to recover. That's a very key thing. I'm going to say it again. The difference for me between religion and spirituality is in religion, I don't have to really help anyone else. I can tithe, I can give charity, that's fine, but I don't sit in the synagogue thinking, what I do for that person? That may not enter my mind. But in spirituality, in program, I better be thinking not about what I can do for you so that you'll give me a return, but what I can do for you with no expectation of a return, if it's appropriate. So in one, I don't have to take action for others, and the other is purely altruistic. And what is altruism? It is doing for others with no expectation whatsoever of a return and this is very very important and we see on page 10 as we review and we will get up to we're going to start on page 14 today but what we're doing is we're reviewing and as we review we look at this is that it's in the middle of the page 
the wartime day in old Winchester Cathedral came back again. Why is that important? Why was that important? It's mentioned a couple, three times in the book. Because in Winchester Cathedral, Bill Wilson sees the grave of a guy named Thatcher, very close to Thatcher, Abby Thatcher. He sees the grave of this guy, and what happened is this is not a guy who got killed in battle. This was a guy who died because he drank himself to death. And this has a big impact on Bill Wilson because Bill was very traumatized by the divorce of his parents. And what was the number one factor in the divorce between Bill's father and Bill's mother was Bill's father's alcoholism. His alcoholism, Gilman's, Gilman Wilson's alcoholism, caused the divorce and Bill's mother had had enough of it and she said you're leaving my house and they told Dorothy and they told Bill that that he was going on a business trip and he just never came home and his their mother went to Boston to become one of the nation's first female osteopathic physicians. And this traumatized Bill Wilson. This was very difficult on young Bill. So he sees the grave of this guy who dies from drinking too much beer. And then on page 11, we talked about this timeless, timeless paragraph. It says the wars which had been fought, the burnings, the chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated. Now, when something facilitates something, that means it makes it possible. What is the job of a sponsor? A sponsor is supposed to facilitate your recovery. What does that mean? They help it along. They guide you. And the, the religions had facilitated these wars, these chicaneries. So he says, it made me sick. And that could be said at any time. This is timeless material. And if you've picked up a newspaper or you've been online or you've seen news in the last couple days, there are many, many things going on in the world right now. I don't know about you. I can't speak for any of you. There are things going on that make me sick, that make me want to wretch physically because of man's inhumanity to man. Man's inhumanity to man has, has made me very sick, very disappointed, sad, many, many times. You could be saying this paragraph now, you could be saying it 35,000 years ago, or you'll be able to say it in 50,000 years into the future. Because as long as there's people, there's going to be these things that are going on, unfortunately. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I am. I hope maybe one day we will be able to live without these disputes, without these, these uh, wars and, and all these various things. I hope so. I sure hope so. But for right now, we unfortunately, we have them, and we certainly have them in our midst right now as we're sitting here. I honestly doubted whether on balance the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since the power of God in human affairs was negligible, the brotherhood of man a grim jest. If there was a devil, notice it's capitalized, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. So Bill is looking at this God solution, and he is rejecting it. He's saying, no, this can't be the way.
And many of us come into our first meetings or first few meetings 10, 15, 20 years before our fifth meeting or our sixth meeting. And what is one of the things that chases us out besides not being ready to give up the food and not having suffered enough pain? This God word, we just don't like it. We don't understand because nobody explains it to us. And we keep confusing God with religion, don't we? We hear this God word and we think religion. And that's not what we're talking about here. And there was a truth. There was a thing that Bill could not overlook. And what Bill couldn't overlook was here was a drunk Here was a drunk that he knew, and the man was sober. And the man wasn't just sober. The man was happy about being sober. He was happy about it. And then Bill says at the bottom of 11, he says, my ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. So no longer was Bill Wilson looking for the splitting of the Red Sea. He wasn't looking for the burning bush. He wasn't looking for anything like that or the Cubs winning the World Series. He wasn't looking at those kind of miracles. Those kind of miracles are great, and that's fine, and the six-day war and all that stuff, that's all great stuff. But what he was looking at in terms of a miracle was he was looking at a man he knew to be alcoholic, and the alcoholic is not drinking, and the man is happy about it, and Bill Wilson could no longer argue he could no he had no ammunition with which to argue any longer and then when we go to to page 12 and i know we're spending some time here in review but those of you who know know that i do this before we start running again we need to walk a little bit so just bear with me because i think that the review is going to be worth it here it says here I'm on page 12. Despite the living example of my friend, there remained in me the vestiges. What is a vestige? A vestige is a pocket of remainder, a pocket of remainder. There was a remainder of my old prejudice. The word God still aroused a certain antipathy. What is antipathy? It is a feeling of dislike. So he's looking at this God thing, even though Ebby's sitting there sober, he still doesn't like this. And when the thought was expressed that there might be a God personal to me, this feeling was intensified. I didn't like the idea, he says, and many of us don't either. Can you think the way Bill thinks? Do you you eat the way Bill drinks? That's what we're looking at here. Can you relate to the way Bill Wilson is thinking here? Can you relate to Bill Wilson? I know for sure that I can. I can relate to Bill Wilson, okay? He says, I didn't like the idea. I could go for such conceptions as creative intelligence, universal mind, or spirit of nature, but I resisted the thought of a czar of the heavens, however loving his sway might be. I have since talked with scores of men who felt the same way. So Bill is looking at this God thing and he is still fighting it. Sorry, I get thirsty because I'm talking and it's hot. Now, Ebby Thatcher is going to be the one 
who is going to open up the door so that every one of us right here on the phone now or anybody listening to this recording or anyone in a meeting anywhere today, tomorrow, or 10,000 generations from now can walk in and sit down and recover. If you are an agnostic, you can recover. What is an agnostic? Ag means without. Gnostic means knowledge. Agnostic means somebody who has no knowledge of whether there's a God or not. Can you recover if you're an atheist? You bet you can. Jimmy Burwell proved that, didn't he? Jimmy Burwell was the resident atheist. Jimmy Burwell was very prominent in early AA history. We can get into him another time. We haven't the time now. But Burwell proved you could be an atheist and you could recover. He wrote a story in the back of the book called The Different Slant. So you can be an atheist, you can be an agnostic or a believer, and you can still recover. It is, it is not closed to you in any shape or form. But what is Ebby going to say that is going to open up the door? He's going to say, why don't you choose your own conception of God? That statement is going to open the door for 20,000 times 20,000 generations of people who speak different languages and have different skin colors, who come from different cultures, different backgrounds, different whatever, they are going to be able to grab this book and they are going to be able to find solace from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body because we as sponsors must work harder to help people find that conception of God that has been elusive to them up to that point in their lives. And we must recognize, excuse me, we must recognize that that definition of God must not only be enforced, but it must sometimes be changed as life changes. You know, if, if, if life is a river, I cannot see what's coming around the bend. I don't know what's coming around the bend. I don't know where the next twist and turn is. How many of you, show of hands, how many of you six months ago in late 2019 ever heard of corona or COVID-19? I doubt there's one of you that even knew what the hell it was. I know I didn't. And yet here we are in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So we don't know, but we need a conception of God that's workable, and that means we're going to have to eliminate, with our sponsees, we're going to have to eliminate the characteristics of that higher power that are not workable. I hear people all the time, they call me up and they say, God's too judgmental. And I say, well, put down a God that's not judgmental and put that in your heart. And they say, you can't do that. I said, why not? Why not? God's too mean. I says, well, have a God that's not mean. Have a God that's nice. God did this and God, Holocaust and this and that. Have a God that, had, that was crying with you. I believe that when injustice is served, when things are, when people do terrible things to one another, God is crying too. God is crying too. And we as 
people who are either compulsive overeaters or anorexics or bulimics, our bodies were crying the tears that our eyes refused to shed. And there was pain and there was rejection and there have been injustices. Where was God? He was crying with you. But God didn't put a bunch of robots on the earth. He put a bunch of people on the earth, and he gave those people free will. And some of them used that free will to do good, and some people used that free will to do mean, horrible things to other people. God was crying, too. God cried, too. He didn't want to see that happen to you. He loves you. He loves you. So we need to work as hard on our step two as we do on step one. We seem to be very, very into working with red light foods and yellow light foods and green light foods. Personally, I don't know what a yellow light food is. I have no clue. Either I can eat it or I can't. I don't know what a yellow light food is. But we need to spend as much time on two as we did on one. It is imperative that we as sponsors pick up the ball on that. Now, let's go down the page, and it says here, it was only a matter of being willing to believe in a power greater than myself. Nothing more was required of me to make my beginning. Am I so pompous? Am I so egotistical? Am I so grandiose that I do not believe that there is a power greater than myself in this world? Gosh, I hope not. But what is required of me is not necessarily to believe that. It's only to be willing to believe it. It doesn't say in this book, you must believe. Other people's belief is described, and we're going to get to that in a second. But I don't have to believe. I just have to be willing to believe. Now, full disclosure here, I do believe that there is a God, and I believe that there's two things I need to know about God after I blow my nose. Hang on. Okay. Here are the two things I need to know about God. And this is for me. This is not for you. This is, I'm not judging you. I'm not casting aspersions on you. This is what I need to know about God. There is one, and it's not me. There is one, and it's not me. And with that as a starting point, as a launching pad, I can now move forward in my program of recovery. But for me, and this is just for me, the relationship I have with God is just like the relationship I have with each and every person in the world. It must be developed through effort, and it takes time. The more I get to know some of you. Now, obviously, there are some of you that are listening to this. I appreciate that you're here, but I don't dialogue with you on a regular basis. So I may know your name. I may not know your name. But there are some of you on the line here that I dialogue with multiple times a week or multiple times a day. So I have a deeper, different relationship. So I have to work at my relationship with God. And how do I do that? I do that through prayer, and I do that through working with other people. And the more I work with other people, and I see how human I am through the commonality of the fellowship, and we're going to get to that later, 
I see how close to God a person can get because I always believed in my own uniqueness. And truthfully speaking, there's no justification for it. I'm really just another bozo on the bus. And as I pray and as I need God, and I need him more today than I did yesterday, but I will need him more tomorrow. When I was a kid, there was a song on the radio, I love you more today than yesterday, but not as much as today. Tomorrow. I don't remember who sang the song, but that was the song. I'm not much of a singer. That's exactly my relationship with God. I love you, God, more today than I did yesterday, but not as much as tomorrow. And why do I have to keep working at this? And we're going to be talking about that today because my disease is progressive. Now, let's go down the page here. These are things that I want you to remember if you are a sponsor or you are the sponsee, that these things must be worked on. Now, on the near the bottom, it says, thus was I convinced that God is concerned. I'm on the bottom, almost the bottom of 12. Thus was I convinced that God is concerned with us humans when we want him enough. Notice him is capitalized. Very important. At long last, I saw, I felt, I believed. Now, let's take a look at that, and then we're going to move forward. I saw, what did he see? For the very first time in Bill Wilson's life, did he see another person that he knew to be an alcoholic who was sober at the moment and happy in his release. He saw that there was recovery that was possible. Because up until this point, Bill Wilson was filled with, with, with uh, ideas that he got from Silkworth through Lois that he would eventually have to go to The Undertaker, the insane asylum, or he would be locked in a hospital someplace. And he would never see the light of day again. And he saw for the first time in his life that recovery was possible. I felt what did he feel? He felt hope. Hope was expanding his heart. Hope was filling his soul and his mind. That's what you can give to the person who comes in here and they're broken and they're beat down and they have been brutalized by an illness that they do not understand, and they have taken comfort in ice cream and fried chicken and pizza their entire life. And what were they taking comfort from? They were taking comfort from fried chicken and pizza and ice cream. I have eaten railroad cars full of Chips Ahoy cookies to kill the guilt and the pain and the shame and the suffering and the diarrhea and the fat body and the lonely Saturday nights. I have eaten railroad cars full of Chips Ahoy cookies to kill the pain of eating railroad cars full of Chips Ahoy cookies. So Bill saw a recovery. He felt hope and he believed that this was possible. And it galls me sometimes when we go through these paragraphs on our vision meetings or our meetings in Scottsdale and we go through there and nobody has anything to say. This is very important stuff.
stuff, this paragraph here, this sentence here, I saw, I felt, I believed. This changes the world and it will never be the same again. Never. The famous philosopher Scott Peck said, and I agree with him, there are three things that the 20th century will be noted for 10,000 years from now. Number one, Kitty Hawk, man's flight, 1903 in, in Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. The Wright brothers got their plane off the ground, and it started the airplane age, the age of flight. Number two, the atomic and slash computer age, and number three, the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. Those are the three things that 10,000 years from now, the 20th century will be noted for. So he, we see on page 13 that Bill is working through the steps, and he's working through the steps quickly. He's not working through the steps in six months, he's not working through the steps in two years. He's working through the steps quickly. Now, let's go to page 14. Bill is in the hospital. He has just had his spiritual experience. And we're going to start with for the moment. Okay? For the moment. Okay? No, sorry. These were, I'm sorry. He hasn't had his spiritual experience yet. I'm sorry. I'm getting out of myself. Cancel what I just said. He is about to have his spiritual experience. We're on page 14. These were revolutionary and drastic proposals. What are the proposals? The proposals are what we know as the steps. What are the principles? The principles are the steps. Don't get confused by the jargon. You know, the fellowship today would have you believing that there's principles and they're different from the steps and the steps are different from this. It's all nonsense. Bill went to writing classes and they taught him not to keep using the same word over and over again. So in some areas he'll say steps, in some areas he'll say principles, and in some areas he'll say rules, and in some areas he'll say proposals. But the moment I fully accepted them, the effect was electric. There was a sense of victory followed by such a peace and serenity as I had never known. When you get in your heart that feeling that God is going to be good to you and God is going to see you through this and that it's going to be okay. You have to work at it. It's not a permanent thing. You will get that peace and serenity that you see in others, you hear in others, and you can hear it if you listen on the line in the morning, the vision meetings. There are people who clearly have it and people who clearly don't. I'm not going to say what camp I'm in because I have, like a human being, I have good days, I have bad days. But when you have that relationship with your God and you know that he's got your back, yes, I'm hurting I wish my daughter would have called me for my birthday. I haven't talked to my daughter in years. She will not speak to me. I don't know why. I don't think she does either. Do I wish I could have spent my birthday on a whatever? Yes. 
but I had a lovely birthday, and I had friends, and I had a special friend, and I had dinner together, and then uh, we had a Zoom, kind of a Zoom birthday party, and there were like a hundred and some people on Facebook, and blah, blah, blah. Very, very nice. Very, very nice. Where was I going with this? I'm going to that, to that peace and serenity, because I know God is here. I'm, I'm a human being. I have good days and bad days, good, bad, whatever. But I know that God is there and all is well. It's very, very important to know that. There was utter confidence. Confidence in what? Confidence in God. Confidence in his higher power. That if he did it for Ebby, he could do it for me, Bill is thinking. Can I relate to the way Bill thinks? Yes, I can. Can I relate to the way Bill drinks? Yes, I can. I felt lifted up as though the great clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. God comes to most men gradually, but his, notice his is capitalized, impact on me was sudden and profound. And Bill said throughout his life that in the town's hospital, he had a vital spiritual experience. And a vital spiritual experience is suddenly Right now, God came to him, and the white light filled the room, and he's going to call Silkworth. He says, finally, he shook his head. No, for a moment, sorry. I was alarmed and called my friend the doctor, that's Silky, who, to ask if I were still sane. He listened in wonder as I talked. Now, remember I told you that there was an instance where Lois was coming home from the department store and Bill came home all mad. He says, this isn't working, Lois. Um, nobody's getting sober. And she turned to him and changed the world. She says, but you're staying sober. We're going to get to that today too. But this is another time. Silkworth could have said, yeah, I think you're crazy. I'm going to give you some drugs to help you sleep. I think you're nuts. He was too good of a man for that. He changed the world by supporting Bill's idea that he had had a spiritual experience when he says, for a moment I was alarmed. No, sorry. Finally, he shook his head and, and saying, something has happened to you I don't understand, but you had better hang on to it. Anything is better than the way you were. The good doctor now sees many men who have such experiences. He knows they are real. So Silkworth supported Bill in his idea that he had had a spiritual experience. So Bill knew that what was happening was from God. This is a lot to know. Now I want you to remember something. Bill Wilson is a drunk, selfish son of a bitch who never gave a damn about other people in his life. He was a drunk, and what he could think about was his next drink. What he could think about was where was he going to get money so he could buy more liquor? How was he going to hide more liquor throughout the house? These were the things that concerned Bill Wilson up to that point. Now let's take a look at where we are. Bill has worked through the first 11 steps of the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. And it says here on page 14, while I lay in the hospital, the thought came that there were thousands, millions, of hopeless alcoholics 
who might be glad to have what had been so freely given me. Perhaps I could help some of them. They, in turn, might work with others. And this is your step 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of the steps, not a spiritual awakening as the result of being a 90 and 90, not a spiritual awakening as the result of seven days of abstinence, not a spiritual awakening as the result of six months going to meetings, but a spiritual awakening as the result of the of, of the working of the steps. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, not as the result of anything else, we try to carry this message. What is this message? Not my message, not someone else's message, the message of the big book. We tried to carry this message to alcoholics or compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. So Bill is now thinking about what we will know as step 12. My friend, now before we read the next paragraph, I want to know, I want not to know, I want to say that when you come into OA, you are presented with slogans. And one of the slogans that you're going to be presented with is that abstinence is the most important thing in my life without exception. Untrue. It is vital. Without abstinence, there's nothing. Without abstinence, you, haven't, you have nothing. <sighs> but here's what's very important. When we read this paragraph you're going to find out what is the most important thing. Let's read it together. My friend, Ebby, had emphasized the absolute necessity. What is a necessity? Something that is necessary for completion of a mission. Something that is necessary for the consummation. Something that is re required of demonstrating. What is demonstrating? To show by example St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel, and if you must, use words. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all of my affairs. What are the principles? The principles are the steps. Particularly was an imperative of the utmost importance to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life, and how do you do that? Through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. If he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed. With us, it is just like that. What is this paragraph telling you is the most important thing? It is to work with other newcomers with other people that are struggling. That is how I must keep on my toes. That is how I recover. In one area, it's going to say this. In another area, it's going to say our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and the people about us. In another area, it's going to say working with, uh, when all other measures fail, work with another alcoholic will save the day. In another area, it's going to say I cannot 
play the Good Samaritan once in a while. I must be helpful to those who are suffering every day. In another area, it's going to say, helping others is the foundation stone of my recovery. So do I need to go on and on and on and on? Remember that we come from the Oxford group. And the Oxford group was practicing first century Christianity to the best of their ability. And they were enthusiastic for Christ because of their altruism. What is altruism? It is helping others with no expectation of a return. So we must be working with other people constantly. And in order to do that, yes, you must be abstinent. Yes, you must. Or you have nothing to pass on. But unless you are sponsoring, unless you are putting yourself out there, you are going to go into the food again. And this is dangerous stuff. You see people, they're sponsoring the same three people that they've sponsored for years. And they haven't added, they haven't done anything. Their program is stagnant. They are headed for the food. Keep this in mind. In everything I do today, I'm either headed for the food or I'm headed toward God, and there's no middle ground. I must be out there working with people. It is imperative. It is imperative. I'm going to read through this paragraph one more time because I think it is that important because this is a textbook. This is not a novel or a short story about the life of Bill Wilson. This is a textbook, and in a textbook, you learn how to do things. You learn how to get things accomplished. And this textbook is telling us specifically with clear-cut directions what I must do to recover. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all of my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials. Notice it doesn't say trials. It says certain trials. And that adjective is very important because I don't care who you are, Male, female, black, white, Jew, Gentile, tall, short, green, gold, yellow. I don't care who you are, rich, poor, I don't care. You are going to have trials. You are going to have challenges. You are going to have things that are going to happen in your life that are going to stretch you. They are going to challenge you. The certain trials and low spots ahead, if he did not work, he would surely drink again. If he drank, he would surely die. Then faith would be dead indeed with us. It is just like that. Very quintessential, very important paragraph. Go over this paragraph with sponsees. Make note of this paragraph. It is vital to understanding this. It is vital to my life. I get this call 150 times a year, three times a week. Somebody who's been working through the steps and they pick up food. 
They're not doing two, they're not doing ten, and they're certainly not expanding and enlarging their spiritual life through service and self-sacrifice for others. Here's another thing I hear many times each day from people. I don't want to sponsor. I'm afraid. You have a book. You let the book do the sponsoring, and you get out there and you put yourself out there, or you're going to eat again. This is a 12-step program, not an 11-step program, and if you're not going to sponsor, you're not going to recover. I'm going to say that again. If you don't sponsor, you're not going to recover. This is a 12-step program, not an 11-step program. The doctor's opinion, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are all step 1. Chapter 4, Step 2. Chapter 5, Steps 3 and 4. Chapter 6, Steps 5 through 11. Chapter 7, Step 12. Let the book do the work for you. Dr. Bob, at the end of his life, when he was dying of cancer, he went out on the stage in Cleveland, Ohio, and he says, let's not louse this up with complexities that are only of importance to the, to the psychologist and the clinician. Let's keep it simple. And at the very last, this boils down to love and service. And we all know what love is, and we all know what service is. You know what love is, and you know what service is. We must be out there helping other compulsive overeaters on a regular basis. I'm lucky my phone doesn't stop. For others, you're going to have to put yourself out there. You're going to have to do whatever it is you're going to have to do. Page 15. My wife and I abandon ourselves with enthusiasm to the idea of helping other alcoholics to a solution of their problems. It was fortunate for my old business associates to remain skeptical for a year and a half, during which I found little work. I was not too well at the time and was plagued by waves of self-pity and resentment. This sometimes nearly drove me back to drink, but I soon found that when all other measures failed, Work with another alcoholic would save the day. He's telling you again, get out of yourself, get out of yourself, get out of yourself. Listen, at the root of our disease is over-self-involvement, over-self-criticism, over-self-guilt, shame, whatever that is. And the more we work with other people, the more we realize we are, not, we are just other bozos on the bus. But there's something even more important. Let me get a swig of water here. Okay. What's important is if I work with you for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, that's 10 minutes or 20 minutes, I'm not thinking about poor Harlan. I can't buy that for money. I can't sit around here and think about, oh, poor me. <laughs> I can't do that for very long. You know, in AA, they have a great saying. It's called, poor me, poor me, pour me a drink. Poor me, poor me, pour me a milkshake. Because that's where that's going to lead. And by helping other people, if I gain a respite of thinking about myself, it is something I cannot buy with bars of gold. I can't buy it with bars of gold. 
I must get out of myself. Many times I have gone to my old hospital in despair. I'm talking to a man there. I would feel amazingly lifted up and set on my feet. It is a design for living that works in rough going. So this is three times on the same page. Three times. He is telling you, work with others and get out of yourself. Work with others and get out of yourself. We commence to make many fast friends, and a fellowship has grown up among us, of which it is a wonderful thing to feel a part. Now, let's go back, if we can, if you have your book in front of you, I would like you to go back to page, um, let me see here, I think it's page three. Yes, it's page three. It says here, for the next few years, fortune through money. I'm on the middle of the page, page three. I know we're going slowly. I know what some of you are thinking. I can hear you thinking. I'm going slow because I believe this is vital information. If I didn't believe this is vital information, we'd be starting, there is a solution already. But we're going to just take our time. For the next few years, fortune through money and applause my way, I had arrived. My judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seething and swelling. Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands, chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I made a host of fair weather friends. He's making them money, and the friends were fair-weather friends. What does that mean? They were phony balonies. And when the money ran out and his drinking overcame him, they went elsewhere. And what's happening here is he commenced to make many fast friends. There is an instant kinship between us. I have friends of mine that I talked to last Sunday on our birthday, I've known them for 66 years, or 60 years, or 58 years, depending. I know you better, and you know me better than I could know them. I know everything about them. I knew their parents. I knew their grandparents in certain aspects. I knew their great-grandparents. I was at the bar mitzvahs. I was at the weddings. I was at the funerals. I was at the God knows what. I know everything about them, and they know everything about me. But you know where I live when I'm turned inside out. You know who I am, and we may never have had much of a conversation at all. But you know me better than they do, and I know you. Because we speak and we understand the language of the heart. We speak and understand the language of the heart. He says, the joy of living we really have, even under pressure and difficulty. Even when there's pressure and difficulty, I don't turn to them, I turn to you. They don't speak and understand the language of the heart. I can't do a 10-step with them. I can't speak about my feelings. If I called some of my friends and I said, I'm scared, I'm hurting, I'm lonely. I'm frustrated. They could not understand that in a million years. It's what, what are you scared of? What the hell's the matter with you? What, what's, what, what are you nuts? What are you scared of? But I can tell you that I'm scared. 
I can tell you that I'm angry. I can tell you that I'm frustrated. I can tell you that I'm lonely. I can tell you things I cannot tell them. I have seen hundreds of families set their feet in the path that really goes somewhere, have seen the most impossible domestic situations righted, feuds and bitternesses of all sorts wiped out. I have seen men come out of asylums and resume a vital place in the lives of their families and communities. Business and professional men have regained their standing. There is scarcely any form of trouble and misery which has not been overcome among us. In one western city, Akron, Ohio, and its environs, there are 1,000 of us in our families. We meet frequently so that newcomers may find the fellowship they seek. At these informal gatherings, one may often see from 50 to 200 persons. We are growing in numbers and power. Let's take a look at what we've just read. Now, I've said this before, and I'll say this again because it's a beautiful example. And I'm not knocking this. I'm, this is fine. But when you go to the OA birthday, I like to get in a day early. I like to get in on Thursday, so I'm already there for Friday. So I usually get in around noon Thursday to the OA birthday. And on Friday morning, Saturday morning, and Sunday morning of the birthday, you will see caravans of rented cars and caravans of people going to the ocean in Los Angeles to see the sun come up over the Pacific Ocean. And they love it, and that's great. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not knocking it. And they will come back to the... To the the, the lobby of the hotel, and they will clap their hands together, and they will say, what a miracle, what a miracle. And they'll say, man, we saw a miracle this morning. You should have come with us. And I think that's great. I think that's a beautiful thing. I would certainly rather go see the sun come up over the Pacific than to see the donuts already at, uh, at Krispy Kreme. But here's the real miracle. There are compulsive overeaters in the lobby of that hotel and in their rooms and in the meetings that are compulsive overeaters who are not eating compulsively and they are happy in their release. That's the miracle. That for 21 years, this sick, depraved, lying, manipulating, selfish, compulsive overeater has not eaten compulsively, and I am happy about it. I do not have a desire now to go back to Almond Joy bars and Doritos. I don't want it. I don't want it in my mouth. I don't want it. That's the miracle. The miracle is wonderful to see the sun come up. But I define a miracle as something to which there is no scientific or logical explanation. And the sun coming up, which is a misnomenclature, the sun doesn't come up, the earth kind of rotates around. We are born with a disease that compels us to eat ourselves to death. And yet we are not only through the intervention of a power greater than ourselves that I choose to call God. Am I able to walk a free man and not eat myself into oblivion today? That 
is the miracle in my life today. An alcoholic in his cups, I'm on page 16, is an unlovely creature. Our struggles with them are variously strenuous, comic, and tragic. One poor chap committed suicide in my home. He could not or would not see our way of life. That's Bill C. He was a lawyer. He's a gambler. He stole from the Wilsons. They didn't know it, but what he was doing was he would wait for them to leave the apartment on 182 Clinton Street, where Lois's parents had owned it and then they died, he would sell their suitcases, he would sell their, their clothing, he would sell any uh, belongings that they had. And he wasn't sober, and he had no intention of getting sober, and he had been an attorney, but he was a big gambler. He was actually a big bridge player. Bill C., at that time, was one of the premier bridge players in the city of New York at that time in the 1930s, 19, early 40s. And he stole from them, and then he killed himself in their home. He committed suicide in their home. There is, however, a vast amount of fun about it all. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity. One of the things in my life that's always been lacking is my idea, my ability to cut loose and have some fun. I've always struggled with that. But when you go to an OA birthday party or you go to a... Um, a convention, a Vision for You convention in Newark, or you come to Los Angeles. I hope we'll have the, our conventions. I don't know. But you go to that or you go to some of these retreats, you're going to see some fun. You're going to see some people having fun. Because if you can't be comfortable around OA people, then there's a problem here. Because these are the most accepting the most lovable, the most loving people on the face of the earth, and we have a love in our heart. Yes, there are people within OA that I've had some difficulty with over my 41 years here. Yes. And some are easier to get along with than others, no question about it. But as a whole, this is my people. This is the group that I feel the most comfortable with. This is a beautiful, beautiful group. I was dancing, and I'm not a dancer, trust me. Just the word dancing brings up a lot of horror in my life, a lot of nightmarish horror in my life. And I, I could tell you the story, but I'll save it for another day. But the bottom line is, is that I was dancing on Saturday night at the birthday, and I just felt like, you know what, if you can't cut loose here, where are you going to cut loose? And if you can't cut loose here, and you can't cut loose anywhere, you've got to remember an old expression that was taught to me by a man who's no longer alive. He said, Harlan, don't live to recover, recover to live. I'm going to say that again. Don't live to recover. Recover to live. Live your life as best you can. Dance and sing and enjoy because Lord only knows we have been isolated for far too long. Locked in a jail of our own creation, a jail of fear and a jail of self-judgment and a jail of self-deprecation, we have to eventually come to a point where we can cut it loose and have some fun. 
and enjoy what, what little time we have left. I, I turned 66 years old a week ago, and we were talking about kindergarten and Mrs. Geverman and Miss Armstrong for first grade. And these are obviously teachers that are long, long passed away. But in a lot of ways, it seems like five minutes ago that I was standing in the playground on September 7th, 1959. I was standing in the playground waiting to go in, crying my eyes out on the first day of kindergarten, and I was missing my mom, and I was scared to death. And in some ways, it seems like a million years ago, and in some ways, it seems like five minutes ago. We must maximize the time that we have left. I suppose some would be shocked at our seeming worldliness and levity, but just underneath there is deadly earnestness. We don't forget and we are at the ready to don our fireman's hat and our hose and our ladder and be there for somebody who's struggling. And when you go to the OA birthday, you'll see people dancing and you'll see people, you know, putting the make on one another or you'll see people in conversation and they're laughing. But if you look off to the side... There's people sitting and sharing their program with somebody who's suffering. And we're at the ready to do either one. Faith has to work 24 hours a day in and through us or we perish. It must work all the time in and through us or we perish. Most of us feel we need look no further for utopia. We have it with us right here and now. Each day, my friend's simple talk in our kitchen multiplies itself in a widening circle of peace on earth and goodwill to men. Bill W., co-founder of AA, died on January 24, 1971, which also is his wedding anniversary. He was married on January the 24th, 1917. We are finished with Bill's story, but we are never finished with Bill's story. And in summation, what we have is vital information to our survival. We have Bill Wilson, and in the first eight pages, we see the progression of his alcoholism. And we see the progression of his life going down, 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 down. Can I relate to Bill Wilson? You bet that I can. And then on the bottom of page 8, between 8 and 16, we have how a recovery was affected therefrom. And how was this recovery affected? It was, re it was affected because of a spiritual experience brought about by the working of what was then a six-step program that we know today as a 12-step program that was introduced by the Oxford group. And the Oxford group was not concerned with alcoholism. Excuse me. They were not concerned with alcoholism. They were concerned with practicing first-century Christianity. And they based it on the 
feeling on the principle of altruism. In other words, giving with no expectation of a return. And this is what it's based on. And we noticed that Bill Wilson, once he caught on to this, and he sort of learned his way around, and Ebby's going to say to him, why don't you choose your own conception of God? He will embrace it, and he will never find it necessary to drink again, and he will never drink. He will get sober on the 14th of December, 1934. He will die on, Dece on January 24th, 1971, never to have consumed alcohol ever again. And can I relate to Bill Wilson, the way he thinks and the way he drinks? Yes, I can. Yes, I can. It is vital for me to know that this chapter tells me something else, too. That the most important thing, the vital thing in my life, vital, is to is the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all of my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works was dead, he said. And that's not the last time that's going to be in the book. And how appallingly true for the alcoholic. For if an alcoholic failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice for others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. If he did not work, he would surely drink again. If he drank, he would surely die. Faith would be dead indeed with us. It is just like that. Now... The Italians have kind of gotten their act together. And next week, we are here. We are here next week. But the week after, I think, is the time. Let me get my calendar here while we're all assembled, and I'll give you the exact date. The Italians have the retreat on Zoom for anybody that wants to come. It is the 12th, 13th, and 14th of June. So next week is a yes and then the week after, we're going to go to Roma. We're going to go to Italy, and we are going to do the retreat. And I hope that you will join me in that Zoom retreat that will take place in two weeks. But for June the 6th, 6th of June by the light of the moon was D-Day, we're going to be here. And what we're going to do next time, next week, is we're going to start There Is a Solution. That is a very, very important chapter. And we're going to look at that chapter and how it applies to step one. Remember that this is, we're still in step one here. Okay. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to, un, I'm going to let you guys unmute. I think What now? All right, you guys have the ability to unmute yourself, and if there are questions until 11.30, I will take questions, and if you have them, just unmute yourself. Star 6 will unmute you, and you can ask your question, and I'll do the very best that I can. 
who has a – I hope this was Harlan. helpful today. I know we went very slow, but I deliberately went slow, and I know we spent a lot of time in review, but I just thought it was so important. Okay, who has a question? Elon Hi, Harlan. Hi. This is Joanne from Canada. Harlan, can you repeat, is there any information yet for the Italian workshop, the Zoom a meeting call and password, or is that going to be given to us at a later date? Oh Lord, um, I am. I have a flyer in Italian, and I said to the lady who's in charge of it, her name is Barbara, and I said, "Look, Barbara, you've got to get one that's in English, and we'll post it on Vision Trudgers, and we'll post it there, and then I will have the information." I know the dates. It's not next week, it's the week after, but the flyer that they originally came up with was in Italian, so it, it, it wouldn't do us much good. Oh, Harlan, I can, I can help you with that. Okay, um, you there said, you go. You could, I, can help, I can help you. Um, okay. I, you sent me the email about it, so I wanted to find out about a time zone, and stupidly I found out that there's just one time zone in Rome okay. or, or in Italy. So... Um, uh, the bottom of that invitation, I missed it at first, but the bottom, the whole bottom is in English. Okay. On All right. Event, on the uh, event inf- right side. All right. This is information that is vital, but see, I'm not the biggest tech person here by any stretch of the imagination, that's for sure. I am definitely not, not the techie. Thank you, Marcy. So I hope that helps. See, there you go. I hope that helps. Uh, it's Elana P. Harlan. Um, so what is this Vision Trudgers? Trudgers is a Facebook page where some things get posted. That's all it is. Vision Trudgers is a Facebook page. Okay. Facebook so page. so you, are you on Facebook? There? Um, I am. Okay. So but I, you, I'm not you, on that, so I'll, I'll join that. Yeah. It's, it's called so, Vision uh, Trudgers or those, something like that. Okay, so how are we going to get those details about I the I promise you by next week I should have them or Marcy will give them to you. Okay. I am not the biggest tech person in the world, but Marcy seems to know her way around that stuff. So yeah. um, I'm, yeah. I'm going to just say again, the times that they have are Greek time or Italian times. Our time is going to be here much earlier because they are... Um, I have... I have I have the time. Go for it, Mars. Uh, Go second. for it, Mars. Uh, okay. It starts. Um, God. Okay. It starts. Um, now, this is Arizona time. So wherever you guys are, now we're on Pacific time here in Arizona, so that's how you'll have to convert it. Um, 2 o'clock p.m. on Friday the 12th. Um, then Saturday, it starts Arizona time at 6 in the morning. Um, and then on Sunday, the 14th, um, 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, you guys, sorry. Wait. Don't don't take, forget that. I had it wrong. Let me start over. I'm sorry. I told them I needed uh, to start at 6 a.m. every day. That's what I told them. Okay. I hope they yeah. Did that. On, on Saturday it is it is six it's six o'clock Arizona time Saturday. Now they have ten o'clock um, June twelfth, but I don't know that might be 
we'll, we'll find. I'll find out more. Okay. Because I'm in touch with the nice lady there, so. Okay. I'm not okay, the biggest so tech person in the world, so I don't know. But I told them I need to start at 6 a.m. every day, and we're going to take a 30-minute break there around 8 o'clock Arizona time, and then we'll finish from 8.30 to 11 every day. So it'll be from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. every day uh, with a half-hour break. At Harlan, this yeah. is Nancy. Can you hear me? Yep. Uh, Pam R. Pam R. Pam is the tech person. Man, she is she good. Helped me. Pam helped me. Pam registered me. I, I saw the English and I saw the Italian, you know, when you sent me the flyer, and but I didn't know how to register, so I contacted Pam, and she registered me, and so I have the registration paper in front of me, and it says that it says it's three to eight uh, Italian time. So I guess it's I don't know what that three, means. Three yeah. to eight. It must be six a.m. I hope so. Uh, and and then five hours later, if, if it's six six a.m. California time, then you add five hours um, with yeah. a thirty-minute break, and then it also says the seminar will take place on Zoom, and the password to the Zoom meeting will be sent to the participants 24 hours ahead of the event. Ah, so, there you go. So I think they do that to kind of control the numbers. Yeah, I don't know. Because they did that with, um, what, was it the Ireland one, or, the, you know, where, you, where you, you wait for the day before and then they email you. And um, so that, that's as much as I know. But Pam is just wonderful. Pam is the best. When it comes to the tech stuff, she's she's right there. She's amazing. And uh, Hi, guys. I just will say when you go to the registration, this is Pam. Hi, Pam. When you go to the registration form and it'll Eventbrite, it will all be Italian. And there's a little baby little check mark by the word Italian. If you click that, you can select English. And they only want your oh. name, your email address, and how many people. And then click, and you're in. So um, it's very. It was very easy to figure that out, except for the timing. I hadn't looked Pam, it up on the clock yet. Pam, can you explain, Pam? In case somebody would call me, I just want to understand what you just said. You're, how do you get into the English? Where do you click it? Okay, on the invite that you sent to me, there yes. was a place to go to e- Eventbrite and register. Yes. So yes. you click and you reg- go there, and they. It said there was a little there was a little Italian registry it said. Yes. Is that what when you that open what you that? On? Yes. And Are when you, you go there it says it says Eventbrite. Okay. And that is the organization that tracks for these Italians. So there's a little baby box that says Italiano or something and with a check mark. And if you click that, you'll see right below there it says English. Oh, okay. And you can Thank pick you. that and, and, and put your email and how many people. Wonder. And Pam, would it be possible to have your email? Form? Yeah, um, sure. My email is prcarolinagirl at gmail, all lowercase. I'm happy to help anybody. And my phone is 919-917. 4200. Pam, where do we find the registration form? Um, 
I it was forwarded to me. It hasn't been posted publicly, but it sounds like Harlan is going to have it posted on the Trudgers. Uh, Jen will generally do it. Jen A or somebody will do it. Okay. Somebody will uh, get it up anybody, there. Marcy, yeah, might be, if, Marcy knows Facebook. Marcy knows. Marcy's good on mm-hmm. Facebook. I, yes. Now, now I have to tell you, um, Barbara Gigi from from uh, from Italy. She wrote me. Um, that the original event right that they created was blocked and accidentally canceled, so they created a new one. So uh, uh, here is the correct link. Oh. I have the correct link with the correct flyer attached. Uh, okay. So I have the updated link, so um, I'll email that to you, Pam. And, and, and can you, Pam, are you the one who said you have the correct link, or is that Marcy? That's Marcy. 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 Marcy, uh, uh, Pam, when you get the correct link, this is Nancy. I'll send it to me. Yes, send it to me so that if people need help, I can at least give them the right uh, Absolutely. You know, flyer. Hi, Nancy. Be glad oh. to. Hi, Maria. Hi, everybody. Just I was talking to Barbara earlier, and we're having a meeting with them tomorrow. Just they're looking for our help, just because. They ran into trouble with Eventbrite. So Kate and I are going to, going to meet with them tomorrow. But the flyer that Harlan got is actually, it's been updated because Eventbrite actually blocked them down. So that link that Harlan has, I don't think that's going to work. They had to create a whole new account because um, the original one was shut, was shut down. So that might not be done until I think maybe tomorrow night because they were having difficulty with the PayPal link and with the Zoom link as well. We're trying to post that. So... And um, hopefully by the end of tomorrow they'll have the new they'll have the new flyer ready. Maria, Maria, now Pam, yeah. Pam registered herself, and then she was kind okay. enough to register me. Do we have okay. to register again? Do you think on the new? I think maybe. I think maybe you will because just for safety, register the, again. Yeah, but yeah, I think you might you might have to because the um, the one that they originally used was was uh, shut down so they don't they had to create a whole new oh, Eventbrite account okay. so I'd say maybe leave it till tomorrow night and I'll post it on to uh, the group me app and I'll post it on to Trudgers and when Barbara gives the new one so then you can do it again Nancy if that works and if you think of it send it to me yeah. directly too sure. if you think of it absolutely yeah of course I will yeah no problem oh this is great I'm oh, glad we have, have each other <laughs> Yes, Nancy, could I get your your email address, Nancy from yes. Geneva? I my, have your yes. Oh. My my email is n a n a for Nancy n a, and then five letters j o e r g. So there's seven letters all together n a j o e r g. Then then the name of our law firm. It's at wesselsherman dot com. That's w e s s e l s and then another S H E R M A N dot com. Oh, you're awesome. Thank you. It's a terrible email, but that's because I never I bothered getting a, a simple one. Yeah. It's, some of them are hard. It's okay. Okay. Well, I hope we get all that squared away so that everybody can enjoy it. This will be a Zoom retreat that's coming up in two weeks uh, and the people who are organizing it 
are uh, coming out of Italy, and Barbara is is just wonderful. Um, and this hopefully will be as good or as and as organized as the one that came out of uh, the UK, Ireland, and so on. I know my friend Maria was involved in that, and some of the other people that I know were involved in that as well, whose names I can't think of right now, but that's okay. Um, Harlan, how will they handle Har- the language? I think they're going to translate. I'm not 100% sure how or when. Uh, I know that when I was in Israel, they started translating, and people told them to stop. People asked them to stop because it was just too disruptive. It was too too unwieldy. So I don't know what the situation is. I'm hoping that the people that are attending – will have enough of an English background so that they can follow. But I, I don't know. That's an excellent question. Yeah. And I, I don't, you know, to be honest with you, Nancy, I, I don't know the answer to it. Yeah. It's a little be taxing. It's a little taxing on me to have to stop like every sentence or two sentences. It's a little yeah. taxing. Yeah. Hey. Harlan, this is yeah. Pam again. Hi, Pam. Um, two things. If I could just share two things with the group. or you sure yeah, can. One thing. Okay, on Zoom, apparently Zoom put out a notice that as of today, after today, they want everybody to upgrade their app because they've, they've put some other, um, they fine-tuned their app. So if you go into your app store, you will see the Zoom app with the word update. Click that. It takes about one minute to update. And then from to, after today on, you'll be able to use it. I One have of my version six minutes. or five, five zero three. Am I okay? Because it's on my computer, not on my phone. Am uh, I, okay? I don't, I don't know that. Um, okay. I'll, I'll take a look after we get off the phone. Okay. So that was one thing I found out at my Zoom meeting uh, Thursday night. And the other thing is, if Maria, since you're out of the United States, could you email? I would be more than happy to work on the Zoom account. Great, terrific. Maria F. Yeah, from Ireland? So that, Maria F. from Dublin? From Ireland. Yes. Wasn't, I think, Maria, you had volunteered, but I'd be glad to help you. You had volunteered yeah, earlier. In the, yeah. Can you hear me? This will be terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. Awesome. Great. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, Pam, awesome. when I, I hang up, now. can you hear I'm me? Gonna go in, I'm going to go into the Zoom app store. I'm going to go into the app store. Look for Zoom with with an up upgrade. Right, instead right? of it, instead of saying open, it'll say update, and you just click that. Oh, update, update. Yeah, update. Okay. Mhm. Okay. Thank you. I did it this talk? morning. Yes. Pardon me. Could I take your number, Pam? Your phone number, and then I can get your email and we sure. can connect. Grace. It's nine one nine. Nine one seven four two zero zero East Coast time. So nine one nine nine one seven four two zero zero. Perfect. Great. Thanks, Tom. Helen, this is Danelle. Can you hear me? Hi, Danelle. Yes. Hi. I just have a question about today's uh, study. Sure. I loved um, everything you shared. It was so helpful. Thank In you. particular, um, there was one part where you mentioned 
um, folks that, you know, may be stagnant in their recovery that, you know, have three sponsors, sponsees that they've been working with for right. years. Right. So I'm wondering, as a sponsor, is there program best practice or direct guidance in the big book as to when do you release a sponsee if they've done all 12 steps in their recovery? Do you keep them I don't, I indefinitely don't release, or what's the guidance? I don't release pretty much anybody. I still, But what I do is I start adding. And the reason I do that is once they get to a certain point and I don't have to keep going over the doctor's opinion with them, and that, we will stay sponsor, sponsee. I call my sponsor every day. I don't miss days. The only time mm-hmm. I missed is I missed a day when I had my knee replaced. Uh, and I was in surgery that day, and I was just too—I was too out of it. I was too tired, and I didn't call. Um, sure. But other than that, I call every day. But that doesn't mean I can't expand and 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 add newer people. Um, I I think that it is very very important for me to know that I have to keep doing more because this disease is progressive. This disease right. being progressive means it gets worse over time. So every single day, I need to try to do something I didn't do the day before to fend off this disease. And if that means that I'm sponsoring four people or five people or six people, then that's what it means. And there is a natural attrition. There is a natural attrition. I'll have people, they'll hunt me down, and I give them something to do, and I never hear from them again. That's, that, that's as normal for me as it is for anybody else. That's going to sure. happen. And if that's happened to you, that's no reflection on you. That's just normal. And sometimes right. Now, I what, do, I'm looking, go on. what I'm looking to address is when you've been in program for a while and you've been recovered and sponsoring for a while, um, you start to build up an accumulation of sponsees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the ones that you have already taken through the 12 steps and are recovered, have had a spiritual awakening or sponsoring people themselves, you know, at what point do you not have regular meetings with them to make room for sponsoring no a point. newcomer? Like, at no yeah. point. I just make more room. Okay. I make more room. Okay. I just make more gotcha. room. Because it's a progressive illness, and it requires from me a progressive effort. And it just seems that I get more time on the clock when I do take more when I take more effort. It just seems to me that I get more time when I when I do more effort. And sure. um, it's probably not a great idea for me to sponsor females, so I try to stay away from that. It's just not a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. But there's more than enough people out there that need help. And, you know, again, there's a natural attrition. There's a natural attrition of people that are going to say, will you sponsor me? And then all of a sudden they're just going to go by the wayside. And that's just unfortunate, but it is reality. Sure. Okay. Thank reality. you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. We are, we are past 1130. I am going to do this. I'm going to go. I am going to leave the line open for anybody who wants to to talk to whatever just if you're if you're not unmuted push star six and i'm going to leave the line open for you guys and we will be meeting next saturday same time 
Same bat time, same bat channel, if you remember the 60s. Same bat yeah. time, same bat channel. Okay. And we will be meeting again. And for our regular meeting, the regular attendees, tomorrow night at 6 p.m., we'll be meeting on this phone line for our regular North Scottsdale Fellowship Club meeting. So I hope you guys have a great day. Stay safe. And we'll, we'll talk soon. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you. Nice. Thanks, Harlan. Hello, Pam. Hi. Yes, I'm here. This is Pam. Hi, Pam. This is uh, Joanne from uh, Montreal, Canada. I just, if you would have a, a minute for me with regards to the Italian workshop, would it be possible to send me your email so that I can email you? Because I do speak Italian as well. So oh great! Any, however, I can help. You know, and, and did you take my phone number down? Is that the nine one nine nine one seven four two zero zero? Okay, right. Because you I want, have to. You want to send me? Yeah. You want to send me your email, and then we'll start communicating. Okay. That'd be What's great. your email? What's your email? Oh well, you could just text it to that phone number. Oh, all right, all right, no problem. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll do you, that. If and you then do we'll... that and tell me your data, then I will uh, communicate with you. I'd be glad Excellent. to do that. All right, that sounds good. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Pam. Yes. Hi, Pam. Nancy. This, this is Nancy. Hi. I'm gonna I'm gonna have the courage to go in the app store, and. Uh, and as a matter of fact, can I do it right now while I'm talking to you? What is, I was going to say, just do it right now. I'll go with you. Okay, I'll do I'll it right now. Too. I'm, I'm going to go, okay, here's the app store. And then I'm going to search for Zoom. So let me put We're here. at the top little line, type Z-O-O-M in the top. It'll oh. find it for you. Yes, it says Zoom. Uh, uh-huh. it, says, does, it says Zoom. These are my choices. 